0: Time Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting
1: you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
2: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time.
3: Now here's your host, Joe McClain.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, October the 14th, two thousand. And 22. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. John Carney is back on the program from Breitbart at 35 past the hour. We're going to catch up on that OPEC story. A lot of fallout this week between Saudi Arabia and the United States over what really was the motivation behind cutting 2 million barrels of oil per day. But, you know, there's a much bigger crisis uh, looming this winter for, for Europe. So we're going to catch up on that with John Carney from Breitbart. Do join us if you can. I also want to share with you, last night I was going through some of my books, been preparing to give some talks up in New Hampshire next week, and uh, part of those talks is going to include the story of Our Lady of Fatima. Yesterday was the 105-year anniversary of October 13th's Miracle of the Sun, dancing in the sky, coming, plummeting down on 70,000 people. And so I was reading through some of my books. I have a book on the memoirs of... Of Sister Lucia. I also have another book that was written in the 50s from uh, Walsh and a great book. And it just kind of reminded me, not only does it tie well into the gospel today, but violence in America is on the rise. And I want to make a tie. I want to connect some dots for you at 15 past the hour between uh, St. Jacinta and her heroic courage and virtue and violence rising in America. And I think there's a lesson there for us, so stick around for that. Dave Palmer's back on the program at the top of the next hour, host of Back to the Father. going to be talking about gluttony, drunkenness, and fornication, and St. Thomas Aquinas' take on that. That's coming up. Do stick around for that if you can. U.S. inflation does remain persistently high. 8.2% was that report that came out yesterday. You might remember we had a great conversation with E.J. Anthony about that expected report. Well, he was right, 8.2%. President Joe Biden has issued an executive order that allows the government and himself, by the way, personally as president, to spy on Americans for broadly defined reasons, including public health risks, political instability, the threat of climate change, and whatever else they decide to come up with. That's kind of concerning. Hey, the CDC has allocated $85 million for grants requiring schools to start... Student-led clubs supporting LGBT youth. Is that a good use of donor dollars? Uh, or tax dollars, rather? No, I don't think so. Uh, but guess what? Chase Bank has not only closed Kanye West. Yeah, Yeezy. They not only closed him, but they also have allegedly closed an account for the National Committee for Religious Freedom, a bipartisan, multi-fa- multi-faith multi nonprofit. Uh, so there's that. Welcome to the new ESG world, I guess. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos.
5: Good morning, Joe. And that's why I propose we return to the gold standard. Oh, really? Let's just do it on our own. Mm-hmm. We don't need anyone mm-hmm. else to tell us. Oh, it's fine. Let's just trade gold in between each other.
4: Just just trade chickens? Can we do chickens instead?
5: Oh, yeah, sure. Beans, I can probably afford chickens more um, than I can afford
4: gold at this point.
5: Hmm. What else can we trade here?
4: Hmm. I don't know. I can lend to you. Uh, my producer to do whatever you need. Oh, okay. Mow your lawn, whatever.
5: Oh, that's that would, sounds like a fun Is trip. that of
4: value to you?
5: Yeah, I would say so. Well, good morning. I promise
4: I Adrian will mow Fonseca.
3: Rudy's yard. Because <laughs> he has no yard. <laughs> <laughs> He's in an apartment still. Yes,
4: well, there you go, folks. That, that was a pretty easy job yeah, for yep, long. I'm yeah. done.
3: And, uh, easy.
4: Any, anything on the agenda this weekend that uh, is of note?
3: Yes, sir. I'll mm. be driving into Dallas, Texas, or I guess specifically to Plano which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, mm-hmm. and I'll be going to the Blessed Karl of Austria Symposium. So I'm going to be driving up there today, and the symposium is tomorrow morning, bright and early. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I know Bishop Anthony H. Snyder will be there. Uh, the Edward von Habsburg will be there, mm. or Habsburg, rather. Mm-hmm. And the granddaughter of Blessed Karl, Princess uh, Maria, I believe, will also be there. So it'll be pretty exciting. Good times. Yep.
4: Yeah. Uh, make sure to say hello to Bishop Athanasius for us. Uh, we haven't had him on in a while, but it would be good to see him again for sure. Uh, well, praise be to God, uh, Rudy. Anything on your end?
5: Uh, well, you know, as much as I'd like to goof around, there's actually a lot of stuff I have to get in order. You're still? For... <laughs> are you still in uh, honeydew list mode? Oh, it's, it's beyond, Joe. So next month, I'm hoping to move. So I need mm-hmm. to get everything packed and ready to go. And yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Next yeah, month. Hopefully.
4: Darn it. It's too bad. I just won't be available all month. Oh,
5: damn Gone. Sorry.
4: Oh, snap. Doing, I think I'm, I'm counting the fibers in our carpet.
5: Oh, are you? Yeah. So I've oh, taken okay. inventory. Good. Yeah.
4: Otherwise, I would be happy to help you move. Oh, well, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad, though. But I'll send you my producer. I'm I'm already, I already took advantage of your <laughs> services one time, so I'm okay. Oh, call right. will help. Good grief. All right. Praise <laughs> be to God. Let's pray. Let's get into it. So much to cover today. Do share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear, and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good
5: morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, October 14th. Uh, thanks be to God, it's Friday, and here are your headlines this morning. Washington Examiner reports, Biden extends COVID-19 public health emergency past midterm elections. The Biden administration has extended the supposed COVID-19 public health emergency through January 11th. The public health emergency, which was said to expire yesterday, will now remain in place past the midterm elections. The emergency declaration was first declared in January of 2020 and has been extended in increments of 90 days ever since. The Daily Caller reports high oil prices exacerbated by OPEC+. Plus Cuts could push global market into recession, an analysis warns. High oil prices will be pushed up further by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, otherwise known as OPEC, and Russia's significant supply cuts, could push the slowing global economy into a recession, according to the International Energy Agency. They say, quote, with unrelenting inflationary pressures and interest rate hikes taking their toll, higher oil prices may prove the tipping point for a global economy already on the brink of recession, the report read. The DW reports germany Germany says cologne Central Mosque to start calling Muslims to prayer germany 's largest mosque will broadcast its call to prayer on the for the first time today as part of an agreement between the central Mosque of Cologne and central and city authorities rather the large mosque in the Ehrenfield district will be the first in the city to send out Mohammedan calls to prayer. Other mosques in the city have also expressed interest in taking part of the two-year pilot project. And LifeSite reports, Priest condemns modern heretics, risking people's souls for the sake of being inclusive. He says, quote, the modern heretics, said Father Leon Pereira, will say, oh yes, we agree with St. John Paul II. We reaffirm the church's teaching. And then in the next instant, they proceed to deny it with their actions. And they blame the Holy Spirit for all of their errors. In a strong comments uh, directed against the modern heretics who push for changes in the church's morals in the name of being synodal and listening, Father condemned the subtlety of priests and bishops who deny church teachings while claiming to affirm them. Father Pereira is a Dominican from England and a chaplain to the English-speaking pilgrims in Mejigori, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. The remarks were given in a homily broadcast. And those were Headline News this morning. God love you. The
3: saint of the day is Blessed Mother Mary Sapen. Born in 1653, she is remembered today as the foundress of the Dominican Sisters of Charity of the Presentation, an institute which only within the past century has begun to be recognized as part of the regular Dominican Sisterhood. Mary was born in the Diocese of Versailles in 1653, Her well-to-do family had a reputation for both sanctity and sound business. She might have entered religion earlier, but the illness of her mother required her constant care. When Mary was 22, her mother died and the girl took over the management of the house. It soon became apparent that her plans for contemplative life would have to be revised, for her father fell ill and she was needed to care for him. Since her home was situated conveniently between the hospital of the Sisters of Charity and the church, where the Dominican Third Order regularly met, Mary soon found herself involved in the charities of the one and the spiritual life of the other. She became a tertiary, and she placed herself under the guidance of a Dominican confessor, who was to watch over her for nearly half a century. She began to dream of a Dominican community in which these works would become part of the apostolate. The bishop with whom most of her negotiations had to be made was a man who heartily disliked the Dominicans. Mary began her Institute of the Dominican Sisters of Charity in Angerville, and the sisters wore the, col- the colors of the order quite probably because they were not permitted the same form of religious habit as was worn by the regular communities of Dominicans. They had a Dominican director, and everyone agrees the Dominican spirit. But when it came to obtaining affiliation with the order, they were blocked by the bishop's refusal, and probably in view of this by the reluctance of the order to force their claims. At the age of 90, as she lay on her deathbed, her order had spread all over France and was recognized as a religious institute, but never accepted into the Dominican family, was not even to recognize, able to recognize the Feast of St. Dominic as a solemnity without losing their status. Accepting the will of God, she commanded her sisters to remain spiritually close to the great order that she loved, and she died with no assurance that they would ever realize her desire. Fifty years later, the French Revolution broke out. A few years later after that, more Dominican privileges were granted, and the sisters pressed the question of affiliation. But it was not until 1897, two full centuries after the foundress first began her project, was her community allowed to use the full title, Dominican Sisters of Charity of the presentation of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary. She died in 1744 and beatified by John Paul II. Blessed Mother Mary Busapen, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter
4: 12, verses 1 through 7. At that time, so many people were crowding together that they were trampling one another underfoot. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Beware of the leaven, that is, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, no secret that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom to fear." Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for two two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows.
3: The Gospel of the Lord.
4: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, anything from Cornelius today?
3: Yes, absolutely. Cornelius Lapide commenting on the passage, there is nothing hid which shall not be unhid, nothing covered which shall not be uncovered. He says, the meaning is, although the Jews slander you as being not of God, but the apostles and ambassadors of Beelzebub, yet fear ye not their derision or contempt, for God in the end will make plain your innocence and true religion not only in the day of judgment, but even in this life. He goes on and said, It can also be explained thus, Do not fear or shrink, O my apostles, from preaching my gospel. For although but few may believe in the beginning, that it may appear hidden and concealed, yet it shall creep on by degrees, and its truth shall at length be known, and shall shine forth through the world. Now there's much to be said here on this whole passage, but since I only have about 40 more seconds, I will conclude with this thought. Cornelius Lapidate here is trying to emphasize the point that we may lose human respect. We may be derided. We may be cursed. We may be, I, mean, I hear this all the time, Protestants saying, you're worshiping idols. You're worshiping demons. This, Our Lady of Fatima, that was a demonic apparition, things like that. They accuse us of being ambassadors of Beelzebub. These things have not changed since the time of the apostles. So let us be, steal ourselves. Let us bear ourselves with Christ. So that way we may recognize that when people come after us, what is true will be made manifest to all one day. So do not fear derision. Instead, stand by Christ, even in the face, and have moral courage. Amen. Praise be to God. You know, uh, do
4: not fear the one who can kill the body reminded me that it's been a pretty violent week in America. How much do we trust in God? I want to talk to you about that, violence in America, and Our Lady Fatima, all that coming up right after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back.
0: i been told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Orman Mivus, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Corlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com
6: men it's time participate in the next national men's march to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on saturday october 15th 11 30 a.m to 3 30 p.m in boston there is a man connected to every abortion men are a big part of the problem and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution all men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m outside of the state house for more information go to the men'smarch.com and spread the word Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome
4: back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Jay Carney from Breitbart's going to be on. We're going to be talking about the OPEC fallout between uh, Saudi Arabia and the United States. Boy, who's saying what? Who's doing what? But really, what's the bottom line for you and for me at the gas pump? But uh, it's really Europe that I'm most concerned with. Right now, we're going to get all of that with Jay Carney from Breitbart at 35 Pastor. Do join us if you can. Uh, But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. You know, this has been a pretty violent week in America. I think a lot of people have maybe, uh, you know, we get very focused. We don't read the news or whatever. We don't uh, pay attention. But last night there was shooting in North Carolina. But overall, the entire week was uh, a pretty violent week. I saw this article over at CBN. And part of the article said the Raleigh shooting was the latest. There was five people shot yesterday, five fatalities uh, in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, last night. But this paragraph says the Raleigh shooting was the latest in in a violent week across the country. Five people were killed Sunday in a shooting at a home in South Carolina. On Wednesday night, two police officers were fatally shot in Connecticut after apparently being drawn into an ambush but emergency call by an emergency call about possible domestic violence. Police officers have been shot this week in Greenville, Mississippi, Decatur, Illinois, Philadelphia, Las Vegas, and Central Florida. Two of those officers, one in Greenville and one in Las Vegas, were killed. Thursday's violence, last night's violence in Raleigh, was the 25th mass killing in 2022 in which the victims were fatally shot, according to the Associated Press USA Today Northeastern University Mass Killing Database. A mass killing is defined as when four or more people are killed, excluding the perpetrator. So lots to pray for, for the repose of the souls. Were they prepared? Were they ready to step into eternity? That's a question that uh, haunts me a little bit, to be honest with you, when I see these stories. Were they ready for it? And then, of course, I saw another story yesterday that also kind of uh, shocked me a little bit. And this is a follow-up to a story that we've covered in the past, and that was the Waukesha Christmas Parade um, perpetrator, the guy who drove his SUV allegedly, because he's not been yet convicted, but uh, he drove his SUV through this parade at high speed. And many people were injured, many people lost their lives. Well, did you know... That he has waived his right to counsel and he is representing himself in court. I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine, just for a second, that you were among the victims of this incident. Your 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 family, your children, your spouse, your mom, your dad was killed as a result of this car driving through this crowd of people at high speed. And you are called as a witness in this court case. And you have to face the alleged perpetrator in cross-examination because that's exactly what's happening. He is cross-examining the witnesses. Only he's taking the opportunity to berate them. And, uh, it's become quite traumatic for these people to have to relive this experience. Here's a little bit of the article out of the post It says Daryl Brooks, the suspect accused of the Waukesha Christmas parade massacre was allowed to cross examine victims in court on Tuesday and spent the time belittling and re-traumatizing them. Brooks who allegedly plowed through the city's Christmas parade and his Ford escape last year, killing six people and injuring 62 others in representing himself is representing himself during the trial, even though he has no legal training. Brooks began by attempting to downplay the long-term effects of Joshua Craner's injuries. Craner, a baseball coach who was at the Christmas parade with his children when the massacre occurred, testified about the violence as it unfolded and discussed the injuries he sustained, which included uh, contusions and bruised bones. Brooks asked... Would it be fair to say you're moving pretty good today? Would it be fair to say you're walking pretty good these days? Would it be fair to say you don't remember much of the event? The judge repeatedly sustained objections from the prosecution to Brooks' queries and finally cut him off when he attempted to question Craner's recollection of the tragedy. Darrow said in response to Brooks' disparaging of Craner's testimony Quote, this witness did not identify you. He testified as of of his observations regarding the day in question and his injuries. So the news reports don't have any bearing on his credibility. The points that you brought up are arguments that you may make if you choose during your closing arguments, close quote. Brooks, who has been removed from the courtroom several times since the trial began October the 3rd for his behavior, which includes stripping off his clothes interpreted the judge's comments on several occasions, uh, interrupted rather, interrupted the judge's comments on several occasions while attempting to downplay his victim's testimonies. It gets worse and worse and worse. That's just the easy stuff. Um, one of the witnesses recounts how his daughter was run over by this man and how he locked eyes on this man in that moment and he identified him in court. His daughter was cast 15 feet through the air and had and needed by the grace of God she's still alive but she needed facial reconstructive surgery as a result to the injuries she sustained when this SUV came plowing through this parade these witnesses are having to face the very person that they believe committed these crimes and this person is so belligerently harassing them in the process i saw that and i thought about that and I, and I just pondered, what would I do? Would I have the, the grace to maintain my composure if it was my daughter that was cast 15 feet through the air and I saw this man across from me? I'm not so sure I would have that kind of composure. I can't imagine how difficult it was for these people. And then this morning I was thinking about violence in America and I was uh, looking up some of the statistics that uh, we, we see in uh, violence in America. And remarkably, I was looking at uh, Statista.com, which carries a lot of this, these stats, and there's a chart here that I'm looking at right now. It, the, the, it's total violent crime reported in the United States from 1990 to t- 2021. And if you didn't see this information, you might think uh, crime is terrible, and crime is terrible. Violent crime is, is really bad, especially in certain parts of the country but it's actually way down since 1990 i find that remarkable but when i looked at the individual like uh the, the the explainer part like how does how do they get to this information what's covered here so it's all violent crime uh which includes uh murder uh, non-negligent manslaughter rape sexual assault robbery aggravated assault it includes mass shootings and all of that but here's a couple of key bits it's only what's reported. And I was watching uh, some some of these stories coming out of places like Philadelphia, where they have mass shootings, <laughs> I mean, very frequently. I mean, I maybe not mass shootings, because a mass shooting is considered four people or more. But there's a lot of violent crime in inner cities in our country. In fact, I looked at the worst cities and the worst uh, uh, cases in America. And here's a list of the top ten cities that are the most violent according to these same stats from Statistia.com. Coming in at number 10, Oakland, California. New Orleans at number 9. Albuquerque, New Mexico at at, uh, number 8. San Bernardino, California at number 7. Kansas City, Missouri at number 6. Milwaukee, Wisconsin at number 5. Cleveland, Ohio at number 4. St. Louis, Missouri at number 3. Detroit, Michigan at number 2. Memphis, Tennessee is the most violent city according to what's reported in america right now at least up to 2020 notice we didn't see chicago on this list notice philadelphia wasn't mentioned on this list and other cities in america and if all we hear in the headlines is chicago and the death report every monday for how many people were shot over the weekend which is always horrible always bad And Philadelphia is now taking over the headlines because of how violent they are right now. And they're not even on this list exactly how bad are things right now. Which made me think last night about Our Lady of Fatima. I was, uh, yesterday was October the 13th. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Our Lady Fatima, the 105th anniversary of the miracle of the sun. And so, and I'm getting ready to give some talks in New Hampshire at St. Catherine's Parish there in Hudson next Friday and Saturday and I'm going to be including part of, it's a series of talks I call The Radical Choice, and I, int- I actually share the story of the Fatima, and in particular, uh, St. Francesco and St. Jacinta. And I was thinking about that, so last night I pulled out a couple of books from my library. I have the memoirs of Saint of Sister Lucia, who's not a saint. Uh, I have the memoirs of Sister Lucia, and I have a, a, a book that uh, from Walsh. Who was a historian? He wrote some incredible church history type of books. Um, I love his I love his writing. In fact, I really really like it. He's long since passed on, but I have one from him from the fifties, writing on Fatima. So I went and I read through his account of the October thirteenth account, and then I went into Sister Lucia's memoirs and and uh, was reminiscing about her writing of Jacinta. She talks about the January thirteenth. Uh, apparition where she was given the three secrets. And a lot has been made of the third secret in particular the angel. Repent, repent, repent with his fiery sword coming down upon earth to chastise it. And Our Lady staying that punishment with her hand, but revealing to these children I mean, they were children 10 years old and younger that the difficulties of what would lie ahead, so many souls would go to hell. That affected Jacinta so profoundly. It affected all of them, Francesco as well. But when you look at her memoir, Sister Lucia's memoirs on Jacinta, she talks about how after all is said and done with the uh, apparitions... And Jacinta in 2018, or rather in 1918, was was on her deathbed, and she was preparing to go to heaven, how much she struggled with this vision of hell, and how many souls go there not prepared, and how she knew, because she knew the third secret of Fatima, that there would be Countless millions more that would go to hell. In fact, in in thinking and pondering about the coming Second World War, she surmised that most of those people who would die in that conflict would go to hell. And Sister Lucia asked her at the time, she was not Sister Lucia, she was just Lucia, asked her not to think about it. Don't think about it. St. Jacinta said, no, I must think about it. And I must offer that up, that suffering, uh, and the uh, the turmoil of thinking about it as a sacrifice for those very souls that may end up in hell. This little girl offered so much, I mean literally everything up as a sacrifice. She died alone in her hospital bed in Lisbon as a sacrifice for the souls that might go to purgatory. We live in a, def- a desperate and a violent world. And it may statistically not be as violent as it was back in 1990. But I think it really is incredibly violent because those numbers aren't 100% accurate in these stats because they don't account for population growth and what's not reported. So what's the answer in a violent world, in a world where you could lose your life today? Who knows? Trustful surrender to divine providence. That's that's the secret that St. Jacinta really held on to. She offered everything over to God and Our Lady, and she trusted in His holy will, no matter what. If we do that and live in a state of grace, what happens to us literally doesn't matter. We'll be right back.
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family. Who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
7: Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to Men'sMarch.com and spread the word.
5: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Epic Times reports, DOJ is being sued for refusing to explain why it won't protect conservative Supreme Court justices' homes from protests. A conservative group is suing the U.S. Department of Justice for refusing to explain why it won't enforce a federal law forbidding that a group called uh, uh, the recent... The recent intimidatory protests carried out by racial abortion supporters outside of the homes of the conservative Supreme Court justices in connection with the reversal of Roe v. Wade earlier this year. That is a good question. Why aren't they persecuting these people? CNA reports hundreds of men pray the rosary in the rain in Bogota, Colombia. Hundreds of men gathered on October 8th in front of the Basilica of Our Lady of Lords in Bogota, Colombia, to join the, the Worldwide Men's Rosary, reciting the Marian prayer under the rain that fell in the Colombian capital. The Men's Rosary was held October 8th in, diz- in dozens of countries, an initiative originating in Poland and Ireland in 2018, and that in the, the last few years has spread to other nations different, uh, on different dates. On their website, the originators of the men's rosary state that the objective is to fulfill the will of the Virgin Mary, which is the will of her son, Jesus Christ. They note that the role of men in God's plan is to protect for, is to protect for eternal life all those whom God has given us here on earth. Just as St. Joseph was the earthly protector of the Holy Family, we also have the task of defending the sanctity of our families and loved ones. We want to do it together in a community of men. In this unity, we strengthen our male identity and masculine virtues, the promoters of the prayer movement explain. And Ground News uh, reports 19th century Levi's found in a mine shaft and they sell for more than $87,000. A pair of Levi's jeans from the 19th century uh, were sold for $87,000 at auction in New Mexico. The jeans were discovered by a denim archaeologist. Wow, they, I can't believe that's a that's a job description there. Denim archaeologist in an abandoned mine shaft. The winning bid was placed by Kyle Halpert, who's 23, a vintage clothing dealer from San Diego, for seventy-six thousand dollars. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you.
4: Praise be to God in all things. That's hilarious. There's actually inflation. A, am I right? Yeah. There's a YouTube channel that I watch uh, of a gentleman. I think he's from Texas, but he bought along with. A partner of his, they bought Sierra Gordo. uh, Oh,
5: the mine in California.
4: Yeah, Yeah. and it's like a whole town. He bought the whole town. And he's been revamping
5: things, and and he has been on the haunt. What I love about for that Levi series, jeans, <laughs> yeah, I love that series because he's going he's going in and trying to analyze whether or not uh, he can reestablish some of the mining projects. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. know when you go through, you may not get everything out, and so there might be money on the table there.
4: Yeah, for sure. So uh, very very fascinating story. Hey, by the way, today is Friday, which means I send out the insider email to our insiders. And I always uh, include some goodies. If you would like to get access to our goodies in your inbox, allowing me to harass you at least once a week, praise be to God, I promise I'm going to give you more than I take. All you got to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get signed up for the CDT Insider email. Again, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us right now by phone is John Carney from Breitbart News. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, guys. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today uh, i want to I want to ask you about the OPEC fallout this week. I found that very fascinating, but before I do that, let me get your take on the consumer price index report that came out yesterday. How did you see it?
6: It was much worse than expected. The month to month number was twice what expected and I think the really interesting thing to me is this is the eleventh out of the last nineteen 19- Uh, months in which Wall Street, the professional economists all undershot on their predictions so that we had upside surprises. That's not supposed to happen. These guys get paid a lot of money to try to get it right. They've only, it's only been under their prediction twice in those 19 months. So this is, uh, basically the entire economics profession unable to accept the idea that inflation is now high and more persistent than they thought it would be.
4: We talked a lot about this yesterday as well, but uh, it's still very fascinating to me. We're we're in a situation where they want to push inflation rates uh, or I- they want to push those interest rates up to try to contract the economy, but yet we're still spending out of control th- – th- this just seems like a recipe for disaster. Some are saying we're headed towards a financial collapse of like a like a real fallout of some kind. Others are saying they're it's not really going to happen. What is your long-term prediction here? 12 months, uh, 24 months from now, what are we looking at?
6: So I I think we're definitely going to have a recession, a significant one. You know, we had those two quarters of contraction this year. Some people say that was a recession. They have good arguments for that. But I mean a real recession, like we, you know, a recession with a 3.7 percent unemployment rate doesn't feel like a recession. I think next year we're going to have an increase in the unemployment rate. People are going to get worried. We're going to have a significant fall in things like corporate earnings. We're going to have people pull back on spending. So we will feel that, and it will feel like a recession. It won't be as bad in the U.S. frankly as it's going to be in other parts of the world, particularly in Europe. They're they're worse off. But this is what we're headed for. I can't tell you how long it's going to last. I don't think it's going to be super severe. This isn't, this doesn't look like for now. Uh, it, you know, it involves a financial crisis or, you know, the, the ruin of many industries. But I do think, you know, we're got to be ready for that coming recession.
4: So you don't see a second great depression.
6: No, I don't see a second great depression. I, but we could cause it right policy can mess things up so the fed could go too far what you just said is very important it it doesn't make sense that we don't have more participation on the fiscal political side in trying to contain inflation meaning pull back on the spending the biden administration seems to just be able to you know they announced the student loan forgiveness program which is equivalent to basically a half trillion dollars of spending We should be. We shouldn't be doing this stuff in a period in which we need to cool off the inflation demand side of the economy. Yet we're still doing it. That puts more pressure on the Fed to raise interest rates even more, which then probably makes the downturn even worse.
4: Now, in looking at this report that came out yesterday, or the inflation, the the consumer price index. I mean, it's. You might think, well, it's coming down. It's better than the last report. I mean, that's good, but. Even if it comes down to the number it was a year ago this time, which was 6.2%, even that number was incredibly high. So we have a long way to go to get to back to anything that feels normal.
6: Yeah, and I caution about thinking that this was better than prior months. Yes, the headline number was below what it had been but the, for the year-to-year, but the monthly number was actually up. If you look at other metrics like core inflation, which says, you know, ignore the price of gasoline because gasoline dropped in September, but it's going back up. So that's why we ignore the price of gasoline, because it goes up and down too frequently. So if you look past that, that also got worse. If you look at measures like that, I consider good measures of underlying inflation, meaning, you know, take ignore the extreme price measures. So the Cleveland Fed puts out something called median inflation. That's just like right in the middle of inflation. That also keeps getting worse. And so and, the, and that to me is predictive of where inflation is going, meaning we're not, we haven't really made any progress at bringing it down. And as you said, even if we bring it down just to where we were a year ago, that's a disastrously high rate. The Fed thinks 2% would be appropriate. Some people think it should be even lower than that. But we're nowhere near that, and it's going to take quite a while for us to get there. In your
4: latest article over at Breitbart, uh, you pick up on Jason Furman and you, and uh, basically saying that we can't really blame Russia for all of this, can we?
6: No, because the things that you could you know pin on Russia, which was you know the and by the way, it's when we say this, it's really the Russian sanctions because Russia didn't cut off the oil from from the rest of the world. The rest of the world cut off oil from Russia. When you look at the things that the invasion could have affected those aren't driving inflation right now it's actually things that are you know well within the you know just purely domestic things like health insurance in the u.s putin didn't like buy all the health insurance and that's why it's up 28 percent year over year that's not what's happening what happened is we have excess demand because we pumped a lot of money in the economy Thought, you know, when we were facing the pandemic. And then afterwards, once we already had vaccines and the economy was recovering, the Biden administration did another almost $2 trillion of stimulus that was completely unnecessary. And I think years from now, people will be able to say, You know, once we're past the immediate politics of the day, they'll be like, yes, that was one of the most foolish fiscal policy moves anybody has ever made. But
4: this is clearly a very divisive uh, issue because, according to recent polls, as much as 84 percent of americans consider the economy and inflation to be the biggest factor going into these midterms yet it divides very starkly along of uh, uh political parties here republicans are have a different margin than democrats
6: why would there be such a split when the numbers are what they are it, you know we've become very politically tribal and people have trouble looking beyond is it my side or their side one thing i will say is there's been movement in some of these polls, which, yes, there is still a wide gap between Republicans and Democrats. But in some of the polls, including one from The Economist and YouGov, we've seen uh, more Democrats coming over to the side of admitting, yes, OK, I do think inflation is a very important issue. We've seen movements in racial groups so black and white Americans are coming closer together in their views on this.
4: Hold that thought. John Carney from Breitbart News is our guest talking about the economy again based on that report that dropped yesterday. But after the break, I want to talk about gas, energy crisis, OPEC, Saudi Arabia and America. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Captain Drive Time. We'll be right back.
6: Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside to the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word.
1: Praise
4: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. John Carney is our guest. Breitbart.com, Breitbart News. Some uh, really good articles over there. You can search for John in the search uh, box uh, on their homepage, and you can get a list of all of his articles, and I encourage you to check them out. Welcome back to the show, John. This week was a very interesting week when it came to the fallout between Saudi Arabia and the United States the Biden administration in particular we all remember fondly what was that a couple of months ago maybe of the the famous fist bump between President Biden and uh, the the crown prince there in Saudi Arabia we and they were he was going to negotiate a deal well now i think we're realizing that deal was kind of political and bipartisan what say you John Carney it was very uh,
6: political and the fundamental background here is the Biden administration has done everything to discourage the production of fossil fuels, including oil, in the United States. And yet they've been demanding that OPEC and Saudi Arabia produce more of it. This makes zero sense, even if you were the biggest climate change, you know, person in the world. It doesn't matter where it's produced. We're not talking about, you know, polluting a local river. It's where it's, it's, it's not even where it's burned. It's the fact that it's burned. So it makes no sense that they were going to do this at all. They, they got themselves into this position, got us into this position where we have a shortage of oil. The Saudis are saying, look, the rest of the world is heading into a recession. So we think that will decrease demand for oil. So we're going to decrease the supply just like any normal you know, factory would do. You say, I, I I, think people are going to want less of this in the future, so we'll make a little less. The Biden administration didn't like that. They requested that this decrease in oil production wait until after the election. And that's what has people outraged. Because they say, look, that looks like you were just trying to, you know, not actually fix the problem, but delay it, so that Americans wouldn't see what was happening to their economy and to oil prices until after the midterm elections.
5: Mm, very convenient. Uh, Mr. Carney, this is Rudy Carlos here. And, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that I've seen uh, about the the production of oil here in the United States is some people say that uh, that would destabilize the, uh, the price of oil all over the world. Do you think that there's any sort of uh, truth to that? Uh, it, let's say, for example, tomorrow... Biden has a complete change of heart and he says, OK, we're going to we're going to reinvigorate domestic drilling here in the, United, in the United States. Would that really destabilize the oil market of the world?
6: It, so there is a danger whenever you have uh, a product that has a capped amount of uh, demand. You mm-hmm. know, there's, we can't we can't burn that much oil in the world uh, that you can overproduce. This actually did happen back, uh, you know, Eight years ago where sh- when shale oil in the United States was really taking off, it was, the production was overinvested in and actually a lot of these companies lost money, but that's also part of the capitalist system. You, you, you experiment, you see where the market will stand. Maybe the price of oil drops, but OPEC also has a response to that, which is they can decrease their own production or they can increase it to try to drive out some other people. Totally fine. We could have that. I think we're better off though, right now, when we see the consequences of underinvesting, which is what we've been doing in this for years, of saying, look, let's get out of the way of energy production. Let's let it happen. We don't have, we, we don't have now, and we will not have for a long time enough renewable energy resources to substitute. So we, so let's use the oil and not bankrupt ourselves. I, I want to bring in
4: Europe's situation into this conversation as we're talking about energy here. Um, Europe seems to be looking at a very bleak situation right now. they They really haven't been able to increase their alternative energy sources. Wind is not very reliable. Sun doesn't provide enough, and the more the more e v we decide to push ourselves. that much more energy is actually needed in a system that can't keep up with it already. They've seen 400% growth in energy prices just between January and September. They're in desperate need of energy over there. How do you look at that?
6: That's right. And what they did is for years – sort of took the easy way out. Instead of investing in their own energy infrastructure or energy energy production, they can't produce that much, frankly, but they could make it so that they could accept energy from all over the world. They didn't. They decided to rely on very cheap Russian natural gas. And this we now know was a foolish move because if you were going to then sanction Russia, you're not going to probably for very long have a lot of access to Russian natural gas. It's very hard to get liquefied natural gas, which comes from the United States, in ships into Europe because they don't have enough ports that can take those in. You need very specialized equipment to make that happen. And so they've, they've put themselves where this winter, perhaps also even next year as well, uh, they're going to have not enough energy to supply all of their industries and all of their households, there's very a very good likelihood that they may have to shut down factories to keep people warm if the winter is cold enough to, you know, to just make enough electricity to uh, make houses not be freezing cold. Hope, you know, we could luck out. Maybe, maybe it's an unusually warm winter and Europe doesn't have, you know, as bad of an energy crisis as we fear. But look, we shouldn't be, you know, just uh hoping for a w you know, a unusually warm winter uh in this day and age where you know we we have the technology to supply ourselves with heat. We just they they just really messed up their ability to provide it. But
4: I mean we have to connect all the dots here. It's also affecting farmers in a time when we're already seeing massive food shortages around the world i um, mean there's talk about uh, dutch farmers cutting back uh, as much as 80 percent on their output just because they can't afford the energy uh, to to produce all those crops uh that's not going to just affect western uh, culture like europe or america it's the third world country that's going to be
6: starving for food and uh, because of all of this don't you think Yes, and I will say one of the things we talk about at the Breitbart Business Digest, which is our free newsletter, everybody can sign up for it, up on the upper right corner of the website, there's a little bar that says newsletters, sign up for it, give us your email, Breitbart Business Digest, you'll get it every night, and what what we've been talking about a lot is that food inflation has a very big effect on people's psyche, because when in part because you you buy food very frequently and so you know unlike you know, when furniture prices go up you don't you might not notice it for a year because how often are you buying a, t- a new table uh you but food you're buying all the time people all over the world are buying it and it, it responds very quickly to inflationary pressures and we're seeing some of the worst the worst food inflation in decades and it looks like partly because of the factors you're citing there that it's going to get worse and i'm not worried that you know we'll run out of food in the united states or in europe but as you were saying there are there are countries that that are absolutely dependent on imports for their food and they are going to have trouble in part because their currencies are falling against the dollar by paying for and buying enough food to feed their population which is a very dangerous situation when you have populations starving you know mm. it foments revolution violence and i think you know hopefully we may you know i pray that we're able to avoid this god willing but we will but i i am not confident that mm-hmm. we will be able to
4: you know, I saw, did see a report, and I just confirmed it with one of our, uh, one of our loyal fans from uh, Germany right now. That uh, Russia did offer another deal to Germany f- to supply them with gas, but Germany turned that down. Are they shooting themselves in the foot there, or is that a smart move to not be dependent upon Russian gas?
6: I think that they need to move away from dependence on Russian gas, especially if they want to treat Putin like a pariah. You you know that guy is going to be running the country for the foreseeable future, and you can't have it both ways. Either you learn to make your peace with Putin, or you probably have to take the hard medicine. And you know you you made an error by becoming dependent on him. You, you don't double down on your error. You know turn to a different way. We've also
4: seen the uh, rise in populism across Europe, which is very interesting. Of course, Italy is the most uh, recent one. We've been looking at Hungary, Sweden, other places. Do you see that is going to change things significantly in the coming years? Will that make a big enough impact or is the European Union just have enough control over everything that not much will change?
6: It will be a hard struggle. Nothing will come easy for the populists of Europe They're you know, Forty years of building a establishment infrastructure that is built literally to ignore the will of the people. That's and, that, and it's given rise to the populism, but but the people running that infrastructure are not going to go quietly into the night just because of a couple boats. <laughs> They're going to do everything they can to undermine the populist uprising in Europe. And so, you know, I I can't tell you how it ends up, but I can tell you that it will it will not come easy to the populists. Do you think because uh, people
4: are to returning back to coal plants, they're turning them back on, they're trying to get them back up? Do you think they'll consider building new nuclear plants?
6: I think that they will consider building new nuclear plants because the because coal is is exactly the opposite of the direction they wanted to go in. And as you said, you can't really power Europe on solar and wind because sometimes it's not sunny and <laughs> often there's not enough wind. You at the very least need a backup. You know, so I live I live in the hills in the woods uh, up in New England and we lose power all the time. So if you're smart you don't just go into the darkness. You have a generator that you can turn on when you lose power. That's what you're, the way Europe needs to think about its renewable reliance. Fine, use as much renewables as you can, but make sure you have a plan to supply your country, your continent with power when that's not working.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. John Carney, Breitbart News. God bless you. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate your insight. Thank you for having me. Check them out online at com. Search for John Carney. You'll see all of his articles there. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciated having you on and uh, the conversations we've had. We're going to go into our second hour, and we're going to talk with Dave Palmer about uh, St. Thomas Aquinas on gluttony on... Uh drinking and fornication all these things and what st thomas aquinas has to say plus we're going to give out the prize in our fear and trembling game show all that and much more go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to join the conversation
7: Hi, this is Sister Deedee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to TheMensMarch.com and please spread the
0: word.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family and thirdly the rosary dynamics here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary you first invoke the three persons of the blessed trinity then onto praying the apostles creed then you will pray in our father then you will recite the angel gabriel's words to mary then you'll recite what mary said to elizabeth and then you will relive john the baptist being filled with the holy spirit in the womb then you will ask for mary's assistance in your life and i'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry
7: Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday,
5: October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the
8: State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com.
4: Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com.
8: Hi, I'm Amanda Smith, Assistant Principal at St. Elizabeth Ann Eaton Catholic School. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back. Got the drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Going to have another great hour this hour. Fear and trembling is coming up at 15 past the hour. We're going to give away that custom rosary by the Luan family. We're so very grateful to give that away today. If you would like a chance to win it, you need to be our first caller when I give you the phone number at 15 past the hour. Be sure to be ready. Finger on the dial. Boy, when I was a kid... That was such a thing. We, <laughs> I remember I, that. I remember when they invented the redial button. Oh, that made calling into radio station competition so much easier. We and just yet? smashed that redial <laughs> the whole time. And yet, I never got in. And all we would hear was.
7: A-a-a-a-a-a-a. I was like, oh,
4: just trying to win those concert tickets. Back in the good old days. Praise be to God. Well, that's 15 past the hour. First caller will get to uh, play the game, possibly win the prize. We're going to give the prize away today on Fear and Trembling. Make sure to tune in for that. Also, I'm going to be sending the CDT Insider email today, and uh, I have a lot to share with you. I'm so excited to be able to harass your inbox at least once a week. And uh, if you would like to get in on that, I send goodies every single week to you. You can join our email list on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Praise be to God. Joining us right now from the great white north is Chase, uh, the famous radio guy. uh, Or, no, sorry, Dave, Dave. Super Dave Palmer is our guest. Good morning to you, Dave.
9: Yeah, I, I go by Jace. Is yes. that what you said? Jace. Jace. <laughs> yeah,
4: Jace. That's your new radio name.
9: Did, That's my preferred name, if you don't mind. Thank you. Super Jace. Hey,
4: you and I, have you and I talked about this because uh, back when I started in radio in the '90s, like having a fake radio name was a thing. Like we—that's awesome. <laughs> like, did you, have, you did you use a fake radio name?
9: Well, I mean, I've got a pretty common name. They typically want you to have three syllables, you know, so Dave Palmer is good. But if you've got a long kind of difficult name or like
4: Adrian uh, Fonseca, I was like
9: Dave Stewart at one point (laughs) for for reasons I can't explain. (laughs) Uh,
4: It always felt really awkward to me to have the fake name. I did use a fake name in radio. What was it? uh, I'm not telling. It's too embarrassing. It's
3: just too. I'm using a fake name right now. Okay. I'll
4: make you a deal. If someone wants to donate $10,000 to the GRN right now, I will reveal my fake radio name from 1997. (laughs) I'm just going to Google it. Go for it. You ain't going to find it. I looked, dude. Google, I looked. Google didn't exist in 97 when I was using that fake name, so there is no evidence whatsoever. You have to make a big donation to find out. Go to <laughs> grnonline.com. Go to donate. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, Dave, uh, now I noticed uh, today that you are dealing with some very difficult topics, uh, gluttony, drunkenness, and fornication. And uh, I wonder if you, if you, uh, you know, if you had me in mind when you were considering this. Uh, <laughs> what was, what was your motivation for today? <laughs>
9: Well, to be honest, the, the motivation was yesterday's, you know, celebration of the anniversary of the last Fatima, the oh. apparition, the day the, the sun danced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, the, the, the quote from Our Lady Fatima where she says, the sins which cause most souls to go to hell are sins of the flesh. Yeah. And that has always stuck with me because the sins of the flesh are not the greatest sins. They're not the, the worst sins. But Our Lady Fatima is telling us that that's the one. Those are the ones that are leading most souls to hell. And so I thought, well, what are the ones that, first of all, are, are most common, you know, among most of us, uh, the temptations? And also, which are the ones that are generally downplayed in the culture? You know, I mean, how how many people talk about, you know, gluttony as a sin? And and it, it's very yeah. interesting when you dig in to see what St.
4: Thomas Aquinas was saying about these back in the 13th century. You know, I, I remember once confessing the sin of gluttony, and I, it struck me that I had never considered even discerning whether or not I had committed the sin prior to that moment. You know what I mean? It's like it just gets excluded, right? Uh, It's like sloth. How many people actually confess the sin of sloth? Probably not many. Uh, We we just kind of focus on the general sins, like the the easy stuff, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. that we struggle with maybe every day or whatever. But gluttony, how many people are actually committing that sin and are never confessing it? It seems strange to me
9: yeah and how many people you know I, i've i always thought it was it's kind of funny the the all you can eat you know buffets you know it's like who needs to eat all they can eat you know and And that, by its very nature, is gluttonous. I mean no, nobody needs to eat all they can possibly eat and I know when I go there and I spend fifteen bucks on a buffet, mm-hmm. I want to get my money's worth and of there you really, bet. Really, really full and you know the interesting thing Joe and and I didn't realize this until i until I dug into St Thomas Aquinas, and I need to do it a, another thorough reading to make sure i don 't lead anybody astray, but St Thomas Aquinas does not think that you know if you go to a buffet and you eat too much, you know even you know, more than you should, that's not necessarily a mortal sin. He says that gluttony is a mortal sin, and I'm reading this, if it turns man away from his final end. So if you, you know, like in Scripture where it says his belly is his God, you know, that's when it becomes a mortal sin, not just the one act of eating too much. And so, again, I got to dig into this, but he does he does make a distinction there where if, if you're if you're putting your food and your eating and your pleasures ahead of God as your mm-hmm. final end, that's when it gets dangerous. But just, you know, eating one too many tacos on a, at lunch is not going to be a mortal sin.
3: You know, it's interesting, too, because what's often forgotten is that pickiness is part of the sin of gluttony is not eating what you're given, which is a, a problem I have. I, I'm a very picky eater, and so I think about that all the time. And I'm like, oh, it's like uh, that's that's part of gluttony is to not eat what you're given, and that's uh, often forgotten.
9: Yeah, you know, my my wife uh, is from from Ireland and used to live in Holland and overseas. They they don't have as much of a restaurant culture as we do here, and that's one of the first things that struck her. She's like. Everybody's always talking about food. Everybody's always talking about restaurants. <laughs> yeah. and, and now that she's been here almost 20 years, I think she's, you know, somewhat conformed, you know, and it's kind of just it's kind of the way of life mm-hmm. for us. But I think we have to check ourselves. And I, I'm, gu- I'm, you know, guilty as charged because I, I think and talk about food a lot.
4: Yeah, unfortunately i do too our entire after shows (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) uh you know and if i just smell good food i gain 10 pounds so it it is a precarious situation what's interesting about this conversation too talking about saint thomas aquinas is he's a guy that has often been uh accused uh you know post-death and all of being overweight a big guy and i'm not sure that is that there's enough evidence to convict him on that one? However, I do find oh, it fascinating that he was notoriously not picky, that he ate whatever was put in front of him. He didn't care what it was. He didn't pay attention much to it. He was very focused uh, on uh, his his writing and his intellectual work, uh, and not focused on his food. Do you have any insight there, Dave Palmer? Yeah,
9: I've, I've heard the same thing. and It's always perplexed me. But then again, you know, just because you're a saint doesn't mean you don't struggle with some sins of the flesh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they had the story where they had to, to carve out a part of the table in order to, to fit his belly. And so <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, if he was just a big guy. You know, some people are just big people and and and, and aren't necessarily, you know, overweight. So, but yeah, that, that's something that's always kind of perplexed me a little bit. And I, I don't know that we have any certainty about whether he really struggled with that, that vice.
3: Yeah, personally, my personal opinion is that he was not fat because of a number of reasons. One, I think the story of him carving out this spot is apocryphal. I think it was came way later. Uh, second, the blessed, um, uh, I'm trying to think of his name all of a sudden, it just flew out of my head. The artist, the Dominican artist. He depicts St. Thomas as skinny and not as fat, and he had perfect temperance and prudence uh, from the, his angelic uh, purity. And so that would have been tied together, so there's no way he would have been fat. Now, he might have been large, a large man, but not fat. So that's my yeah. personal opinion about St. Thomas.
5: Is he considered a big old un or a good old un? What?
9: (laughs) That's not addressed in the Summa either, Rudy. Oh, dang it. (laughs) That's strange.
4: (laughs) I didn't see that coming. Uh, I loved your connection back to Fatima. Uh, You know, yesterday, as you mentioned, was the anniversary. And I've been uh, relooking at the the, uh, memoirs of of Sister Lucia yesterday. uh, Last night, I spent some time doing that and reading Thomas Walsh's account of those apparitions. It's very, very fascinating to me. the the level of care and concern both Sister Lucia and Thomas Walsh, the historian who's passed on now, uh, who spent time talking with Sister Lucia before he wrote it and published his book um, about how much the care of souls, how much uh, it affected St. Jacinta in particular. This nine-year-old little girl was so deeply and profoundly affected by the number of souls that go to hell. And she just, she said she would have preferred to have stayed on earth and lived a fuller life just so that she could offer that many more sufferings and sacrifices to prevent people from going to hell. That amazes me for a nine-year-old girl.
9: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Yeah, Fatima, I I find fascinating because I almost think... Our Lady talked about too many things, you know. You've got the secrets, and you've got the vision of hell, and you've got the souls going to hell, and you, uh, you know, uh, Russia, and th- there's so much that was packed into Fatima. I know you guys were talking about it yesterday, but uh, I wasn't familiar necessarily with what you're talking about there, Joe. But I, I think it we we need to unpack the message a whole lot more. And yeah, yeah when you've got what seventy eighty thousand people observing something right. as a historical event that only happened about a hundred years ago, yeah. it's interesting that the media for the most part, has just stopped talking about it. Well, one of the most important historical events in the history of the world, and they're like, ah, eh, okay, well, that's, we'll, we'll forget about that one.
4: In the foreword of Walsh's book, uh, The Monsignor, whose name is Escaping McGrath or something like that, he wrote the foreword to uh, Walsh's book on Fatima, published oh, wow. in the 50s, and he talks about how there was a reporter present and witnessed the miracle— not the guy from Oseculo. That's a different story. This was a Western journalist. He actually wired the story back to New York right away. But because America was enthralled in a World Series baseball uh, game, of course, they weren't <laughs> focused on this. And the story ended up being like a small little paragraph, several pages in, Unreal. and was missed. But he did try to tell the Western world <clears throat> that this big miracle happened. Uh, we, last night we watched The 13th Day, which can be streamed off of Formed.org, by the way. Uh, that was put out, what, 10-plus years ago now, 12 years ago. And uh, uh, we watched that with the kids. Uh, very fascinating. Do you know the the story of the administrator of the town that had kidnapped the children and threatened to boil them alive? After the miracle, he got booted out of his job because he failed to deal with that situation according to uh, the, the Freemason uh, government as their wishes. The last, Walsh points this out, the last time, last time he was ever seen was when he was trying to prepare a bomb to uh, attack and murder anti-Freemason parliamentarians, and that was the last time anybody heard of him. I don't know, I just bring that out to say it's a very fascinating turn of events and details, we don't often hear about that, but I want to go back and just tie this in and give you last thoughts here about St. Jacinta and her incredible uh, heart for those that commit these grave sins especially since, as we talked about earlier, that so few of us actually even consider in our life and or ever confess. Last thoughts, Dave Palmer.
9: Yeah, you know, we talked about a Bunch, and we're also going to talk on the show today about fornication. You know, most people today say, well, if it's consensual and it's victimless. Interestingly, St. Thomas Aquinas says fornication is a sin against human life. And he has wow. the child in mind. He says it's not fair to do something that would risk a child coming into a, a, a household that doesn't have a, a mother and a father through fornication. Mm. And then drunkenness is also interesting because it, it, you're willingly taking away your highest function, which mm. is the use of your intellect. And so we'll, we'll get into all that on Back to the Father today.
4: I think we, Thanks, we, Joe. you could probably include uh, narcotics or, or drug use in that as well. Oh,
9: yeah. I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Okay.
4: Back to the Father airs at 1 p.m. Central or 2 p.m. Eastern all across the uh, the Facebook feed for GRN and the YouTube feed on GRN. So all you need to do is look for at GRN online on YouTube or on Facebook. You'll find it there and you'll be able to uh, watch the show live, interact live, ask good questions, uh, try to play stump uh, chase. Uh, Dave Palmer, Super Dave Palmer, out of the Great White North in Texas. God bless you, Dave. Thank you for being on with us today.
9: Thanks a lot, Joe. Good to talk with you guys.
4: All right. Praise be to God. We'll see him next Friday. Every Friday, Dave joins us. But don't forget, we're going to be jumping into our game show here in just a moment. I wanted to make sure that you are on our email list. You know, in a day and an age uh, where censorship is a real issue, being connected to your local GRN station is incredibly important, okay? So the ways you can do this is get on the email list for your local station for the Catholic Drive Time or or here's a better idea. Download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app in your iOS or Android store today and that way you can always stay connected, always listen live, 24-7 clear as crystal. Get the programming schedule and your local general manager's contact information plus our own podcast and so much more. Download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app today. Get that on your phone. Hey, all right, time to play the game. Here's the phone number. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Giving out that prize today. Phone lines are open right now at 877-757-9424. We'll
2: the Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be?
8: Mark six verse three says, "Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us?" Point number one to consider: there is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis fourteen fourteen, where Lot who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the Apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the Apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider. Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90. According to this scripture passage, do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context.
0: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
6: Joe McLean. Praise be to Jesus
4: Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. Is that a deal? All right, number one, we like to teach the faith. So praise be to God, we find teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. It's always a good deal. And then we like to laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers laugh with us. It's actually quite amazing. We love it the most. But then we give out prizes, which means we are incentivizing everyone. You literally cannot lose in this deal. You might learn, you might laugh, and you might win. I mean, it's a winner for all. But here's the kicker. Here's the catch. We do have three Catholic trivia questions, but we do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but they still could win our game. Because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian. The caller will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Because one of them will give us a correct answer and the other won't. But after that, all correct answers go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, today's that day. What could they win?
5: Today's the day, and the winner today is going to get this beautiful handmade rosary made by the Luhan family, which we are so thankful, Lujan family, for you providing these awesome gifts for us to give away. If you're interested in uh, maybe per- uh, participating in the game show by sponsoring uh, the-, the show one week, you can always get in contact with us at GRINONLINE.com forward slash CDT. But the winner is going to win this beautiful rosary. It's got turquoise beads. I'm not sure it's actual turquoise, but it's a turquoise type material. And it's got this wonderful centerpiece here of the Immaculate Conception here and a, a great corpus here. So thank you again, Luhan family. The winner this week is going to receive this rosary, and I hope that you will take Our Lady of Fatima's uh, uh, direction there and pray this every single day. And uh, you don't have to be a winner to do that either. So I hope you'll take on this wonderful devotion.
4: Amen. Praise be to God. praise be to God. Our Lady of Fatima did ask that the that the rosary be prayed every single day. Five decades at a minimum. Yeah. Every day? Yeah.
3: Every day. Yeah. Every uh, can day. I skip a day?
4: Yeah, go for it. You can skip a day. It'll just be Saint Jacinta and you know being sad that you might end up in hell. But other <sighs> than that. Other th- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Craig. Uh, hi. Hello. Who am I talking to? You
7: are talking to I am Craig's son My name
4: is Hudson Craig's son Craig's son Well good morning to you Can you give me your name One more time Because you broke up And I couldn't hear it
7: Okay My name is Hudson Hudson Hudson. Hudson.
4: Very nice Hudson I just had a Like the river No like the car In cars Oh The Hudson Hornet Oh I haven't seen that movie Really Nope Radiator Springs man In any case Bring it Hudson Hey Hudson Good morning to you Are you on your way to work
7: uh, no. Actually, I'm Craig's son, so uh, yeah. I'm nine years old, so <laughs> I'm not on my way to work, I'm on my way to school.
10: Oh, well, well, soon enough,
4: Hudson, soon enough you'll be paying taxes like the rest of us. (laughs) Uh, Enjoy
3: school while you can, because otherwise you have to get a job. Just become a religious priest, and then you don't have to worry about paying taxes. Or just go to school for the rest of your life. A lot of people do that these
4: days, I hear. But Hudson, well, we're glad you're here. Praise be to God, Hudson. Thanks for joining us. Now, where are you from, Hudson? What state do you live in? I live in Texas, and
7: I'm from Charlotte, Texas.
4: Nice. Wonderful. Now... Hudson, do you understand how this game works? Do you know how to play the game?
7: Yes, I've seen it a while. But I know to how that.
4: to it. All right. Yes. Well, Hudson, then you know. You, of course, uh, understand fully that I am the only one here you can trust. Uh, it's just me and you, Hudson, against them. Are you ready to play, sir? Yes, I am. All right. Let's do this thing. We will start with Rudy Carlos. Suit and tie. He's got the, uh, the Paisleys again. Good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning. So uh, no tricky, no trickiness today, right? No. I no. mean, well, you look very standard today.
5: So oh, well, thanks. Let's see if we can. Are you get calling a, me just average? Mm, no, I'm oh, just okay. saying, you know,
4: uh, no no, like sweaters or bow ties, nothing, no curveballs. Looks pretty standard
5: stuff. It's true. So we're, well, let's see how I this goes. I haven't worn this particular color of a blazer in a while. Uh, okay. Other
8: than uh, that. Never mind. That.
5: Okay. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Right. Let's do this thing. What? Pa- who is the patron saint of artists? Ah, uh, being an artist myself, you're an artist yourself, and Adrian's an artist, right? I mean, we're in the art of radio here. Oh, I see. Uh, we he- all know him as Saint Easel. Really? Yes, Saint Easel, which is where they got mm-hmm. the name for the thing that holds the paintings. Fascinating. Yeah, Saint Easel. Is he French? I don't know. Is it La Isel, I think, I, think uh, I think that's a German name. Oh, oh, okay.
4: Interesting. Das ist gut. All right, uh, St. Isle, you say. Let's see what uh, Brother Adrian says. Adrian, or is it the artist formerly known as Adrian? Formerly known.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still known, actually, as Adrian. Could you tell me who is the patron saint of artists? The patron saint of artists is... Saint Luke, the evangelist, who painted the first image of Our Lady. Really? Mm-hmm.
6: I
5: think I heard about
4: that.
3: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Isn't
6: Matt it Vax.
5: like a table also, or something like that? Is it a table? No. Mm-hmm. All
4: What's right, uh, Hudson. Hudson, uh, Craig's son, you've got you've got an option here. Uh, Adrian says Saint Luke is the patron saint of artists, whereas Brother Rudy is.
7: Adrian.
3: Wow! Wow! <laughs> That's
4: all he
7: needed.
3: <laughs> wow. You know, Hudson is clearly a handsome yeah. young man. He's yeah. brilliant beyond years. It's very clear to me he's wise, Hudson. astute. Hudson has the wisdom of Solomon over there.
1: <laughs> the Sol- yeah.
4: Hudson, when, yes. when one has to admit, when one is forced by pain and suffering to admit Adrian Fonseca is correct in public, one should not do so with such great confidence. No, that's exactly it's what way you rule. do it, Hudson. Good it's job. But you are correct, actually, and so is Adrian. Uh, St. Luke is the right answer. Uh, St. Catherine of Bologna would have been another very good answer to that question. So true. You're in the cup. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your chances. Hudson Mac Craig, which literally means son of Craig. Uh, Hudson, are you ready? Yes, I am. Here we go. We're going to start with Adrian first. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I know Adrian has advanced degrees in catholic churchologies. Cuz mm, mm-hmm. I read that on Twitter someplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but could you tell me reception of the eucharist in catholic
3: churches by members of other christian faiths is called what? It's called in quibus rerum Circumstantiis. I'm sorry, what? It's it's very clear, Joe. You didn't uh, you didn't get that the first time? I'm, it's very what, obvious. I'm sorry. One more time. In rerum circumstantiis. In quibus
4: Mm -hmm. rerum circumstantitis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Close enough.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: It's good Uh, enough for government work. work. Got it. Okay. Rudy, let's try you this time. Uh, Let's bring uh, reason to madness. Can you tell me reception of the Eucharist in the Catholic churches by members of other Christian faiths is called what, sir?
5: Hmm, I'm trying to think of the circumstance where this would happen but mm-hmm. it's known as mm-hmm. intercommunion and I for whatever reason I can't think of why maybe maybe somebody married into a Catholic family and they're mm. able to receive Holy Communion to the Catholic Orthodox Church. maybe Orthodox yeah oh yeah maybe Under extreme circumstance extreme circumstance yeah. you're about it. to die you can go get the the sacraments yeah. there okay as well intercommunion uh, inter-
4: you're right, on the board for intercommunion yeah well Hudson Mac Craig. Uh our he got options here. Rudy says it's called intercommunion. Uh whereas Adrian says in Quibus Rerum circumstantitis hopefully I, I don't know if I
7: Intercommunion
4: <laughs> Let's go,
7: Hudson. Hudson. Hudson, are you googling this? I'm just
4: curious. <gasps> Brilliant man, you are answering them so fast. There, are you? Are you have a phone a friend thing going on there, Hudson? Are you? Is someone
5: feeding He's just you the a answers? Genius, Joe. I'm just
3: curious. Uh, no,
4: that... I
7: go to Catholic
3: school, so I know these answers. Wow, <laughs> oh, there you go. Let's go. Praise <laughs> week at school schools, <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Wow, Hudson. Well, in Quibus, that doc. It's a document saying when you can have intercommunion, and okay. it's only for those Christians. <laughs> that believe the same thing we do about the Eucharist, which would mean basically just Orthodox in extreme circumstances.
4: All right. Well, last question. Third question. Perfect score could be yours, Hudson Mac Craig. Uh, Here, we're going to go back to Rudy first. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me where is St. Patrick's Cathedral?
5: Also, where he is buried. Now, some might say, well, St. Patrick, nobody knows where he's buried. He might be on an island somewhere. I don't know. I'm gonna say it's Downpatrick, Ireland, mm. which, believe it or not, is a
2: Protestant church.
5: Huh. Okay, uh, tricky question,
4: actually. But let's see what Adrian it a says. Tricky, isn't it? Adrian, can you tell me where is
3: Saint Patrick's Cathedral located? Well, Saint Patrick's Cathedral is right there in New York, New York. A so, York, you know. Yeah, a big old a church. In. Probably one of the most beautiful Yikes, churches in this America. Is possibly New York, the New trickiest
4: York. question ever. Hudson, is it the cathedral called St Patrick that we're asking about, which Adrian says is in New York, or is it the saint St Patrick? And where he's located, which is down Patrick, Ireland. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong?
7: Tricky question. Hudson, what say you? Down well, Patrick, Ireland. Now go the other way. Go the other way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Adrian, Adrian,
4: the other way, the other way. Uh, <laughs> oh, I heard an Adrian. Oh,
5: oh, I, okay. it. I did too. All right. I am shuffling now. Uh, he said Adrian, didn't he? I am shuffling now. I'm pretty now. sure he got that in before the bus. Every damn shuffling, as they say. And I have it right here. It's Gyla.
4: Gile. Gile. Very nice. Hudson Craig, You played very good today. We had a laugh. You were amazing. God bless you, Hudson. Thank you. Hey, don't get a job too soon, okay, buddy? You got to go to school and enjoy your time. Learn all that goodness at your Catholic school. Have a great day and uh, a wonderful weekend. God bless you, Hudson. Thank you. you. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the radio side. Hudson was a lot of fun too bad we tricked him with that last one though that was super tricky actually poor guy uh yeah it's new york by the way that's where st patrick's cathedral is located not the saint saints which is actually at a protestant church hey no, anyway join us in the after show go to grnonline.com forward slash c d t god bless you god love you we'll see that.
8: thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired
6: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
10: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Callistus I, Pope and Martyr. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the everlasting King.
11: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you.
10: And with your Spirit.
11: Today we celebrate the memorial of Pope St. Callistus I, who lived in the 100s and 200s in Rome. Earlier in his life, he was a slave and then later set free under pope zephyrinus he was made a deacon and appointed in charge of the first christian cemetery which is now named for him the catacombs of saint callistus after the death of pope zephyrinus he succeeded him as pope during his time as pope he opposed heresies regarding christ and also uh, welcomed in the forgiveness of all sins after proper penance which drew some controversies from some of his opponents He died on this day in about the year 222. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to to Almighty God God, and and to you, you, my my brothers brothers and sisters, sisters,
12: that I have have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in
10: what what I have done and what I have have failed to do, through through my my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
11: Let us pray. O God, who raised up Pope St. Callistus I to serve the Church and attend devoutly to Christ's faithful departed, strengthen us, we pray, by his witness to the faith, so that rescued from the slavery of corruption, we may merit an incorruptible inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit,
10: God, forever and ever. Amen.
12: Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, Brothers and Sisters, In Christ we were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the One who accomplishes all things according to the intention of His will, so that we might exist for the praise of His glory, we who first hoped in Christ. In Him you also who have heard the Word of truth, the Gospel of your salvation, and have believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, to which is the first installment of our inheritance, toward redemption as God's possession, to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Blessed the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Blessed the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp, with a ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. Blessed Blessed the the people the the Lord Lord has chosen chosen to be his his own. For upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Blessed Blessed the the people the Lord has has chosen
10: to be his own.
12: Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down, he sees all mankind. Blessed Blessed the the people the the Lord Lord has chosen
10: to be his own. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us who have put our hope in you. Hallelujah! Alleluia. Alleluia.
11: The Lord be with you.
10: And with your spirit.
11: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
10: Glory
12: to you, O Lord.
11: At that time, so many people were crowding together that they were trampling one another underfoot. Jesus began to speak, first to his disciples. Beware of the leaven that is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom to fear. Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The Gospel of the Lord.
10: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
11: Imagine if sometime after you died, the only thing that was known about you was what came from an account written by your enemies while you were alive. And you might imagine, well, gosh, I mean, would that be reliable? Well, oddly enough, that is the situation we have with our saint today. A couple of his enemies, right while he was living, wrote about him, and that's all that we've got. And so it is that when scholars look at the record, they, they look with kind of a skeptical eye and say, well, we think... We think that these enemies were basing what they said on the truth about him, but that they very much exaggerated, finding every bad thing that they could build up. And so perhaps if we read with a skeptical eye, we can sort of figure out what was probably the real unexaggerated truth about his life. So we'll come back to his life in a little bit. But, of course, you might say, well, I mean, what would it be like if if I were only known by the words of those who hated me? But then again, you might say, or perhaps um, you might know someone like this, might say, well gosh, I mean, if only I were hated. The problem in this life right now, in our, our current life, is that actually nobody knows me. You know, we've all observed that because of social media, which would seem like it's meant to draw us together, but in fact seems to have had the effect of actually driving us apart, so that we increasingly live in an isolated way. And perhaps we might feel, you know, no one knows me. No one loves me. In fact, nobody even hates me. I'm just completely separated from other people. And so we know that that this might apply to many people. But thus we hear very good news in our readings today. First thing is that we hear our Lord Jesus speaking in the gospel. And he talks about how indeed you and I, each one of us, are known and loved by the Father. And we heard his description, that how, how very unimportant and unvaluable something like a sparrow is. Yet the Father knows every single sparrow. And then he says, even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Now, unless you have lost your hair, you and I don't know, we don't know how many hairs there are on our head. But the Father knows. The Father knows you completely. Even every single hair on your head, and not just the hairs on your head, but everything about your heart, and about your soul, and about your history. He knows you, and better than that, He's not your enemy. He loves you. He knows you, and He loves you. And that is the first piece of good news in our readings today. Second thing has to do with being chosen. And here we can turn to the first reading as St. Paul is talking to the Ephesians. Now, in our reading today, St. Paul is continuing this Christological hymn that we heard beginning yesterday. There's something subtle in today. You and I might miss it, because of course our situation is different today, and that is there's a big difference between when he said we and when he said you. In Christ, we were also chosen, destined in accord and so on, and in that we, he's saying we, I and the other Jewish Christians, those who believe in Christ. And but who, who came ethnically from the, pe- the Jewish people who experienced the Old Covenant for these 1,400 years. And then he says, In him you also who have heard the word of truth and have believed in him. Here he's talking to the Gentiles. All those people, those who come to believe in Christ, but who came from all the other peoples of the world which for those of us listening today, is probably most of us. Most of us probably come from them. And so he says, we were chosen, we experienced the salvation history, but now you too, you have heard the word of truth, you have believed, you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, you are headed towards heaven. And so it is for us that you and I were chosen. Of course, we heard this again and again in the Psalm. And of course, you and I have experienced times in our life when we might not have been chosen. Not chosen for sport teams in school, not chosen for a job, not chosen in love, we've experienced rejection. We've experienced not being chosen. But St. Paul tells us that the Father has chosen me, has chosen you, has chosen that other person you know. Every one of us, no matter our background, race, or ethnicity, or language, or our age, or whatever sins we might have committed in the past, each one of us, he has chosen to become his own son or daughter and to be destined for heaven. Now, we know that being chosen in the Bible, anyone who's chosen in the Bible is not going to have an easy life. It's going to be a roller coaster. But it's a roller coaster, as St. Paul tells the Romans, all things will work together for good. We might see that a bit in the saint that we celebrate today. Again, reading those enemies' accounts critically, it seems perhaps that he was a slave and that his master, was a Christian who was a very vindictive person. A Christian, but a very bad person. And that he treated him very badly. And then at a certain point, he was, uh, Pope Callistus, well, not Pope yet, was accused of being a Christian. And was sentenced to the hard labor in the mines in Sardinia. Now, this had the interesting effect, that as he was condemned to this punishment... He was also set free. He was no longer a slave to his previous master, because now he was being punished by the state. Now, you might imagine he was suffering under this punishment. But then one day, through the action of a particular person, he and various other Christians were set free. Now he's a free man, through these unusual turn of events. And so he was free to become a deacon, to become a caretaker of that cemetery, to become Pope, and ultimately to give his life as a martyr. We can imagine he might have wondered, suffered under that punishment in Sardinia. But indeed the Lord is working through these circumstances to bring him to serve the church in the way that he would. And so too with you and me, the Lord works all these things, all these unusual twists and turns which you might be experiencing right now, for his purposes, so that you and I can live out that call. May you and I know deeply, and all those that we know, that we are indeed loved and known that we are chosen and that we are called, and all things are working together for good. Pope St. Callistus I, pray for us. Now let us pray to God who knows our needs and wants us to turn to Him, that the Lord may pour out His Spirit upon the ministers of the Church, and sanctify all men and women religious, let us pray to the Lord.
10: Lord, hear our prayer.
11: That hatred may disappear from the world and there be harmony among nations, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That sinners may be converted and the sick recover their health, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That God may remove all harm far from us, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That during this day we may be strengthened to sow unity where there is discord and love where hatred reigns. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, show yourself favorable to your children and multiply the gifts of your grace to them that they may obtain the good things they have asked of you and faithfully persevere in your service through Christ our Lord.
10: Amen. Amen. There's a whiteness in God's mercy like the whiteness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice which is more than liberty. There is plentiful redemption. IN THE BLOOD THAT HAS BEEN SHED THERE IS JOY FOR ALL THE MEMBERS IN THE SORROWS OF THE HEAD FOR THE LOVE OF GOD IS BROADER THAN THE measures OF MAN'S MIND and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind if our love were but more simple we should take him at his word And our lives would be all sunshine In the sweetness of our Lord. Souls of men, why will you scatter Like a crowd of frightened sheep? Foolish hearts, why will you wander From a love so true and deep? There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice
11: and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
10: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
11: We offer you sacrificial gifts, O Lord, to commemorate your blessed martyr, Callistus, whom no temptation could separate from the unity of the body of Christ, who lives and reigns
10: forever and ever. Amen.
11: The Lord be with
10: you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right and just.
11: It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For the blood of your blessed martyr, Callistus, poured out like Christ's to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty, without end, we acclaim
10: Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus pleni Plenis Unce Lieterra, Gloria tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis.
11: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy therefore these gifts, we pray
10: Mortem tuhum
12: annunziamus toho homine,
10: et tuhum resurrectionem confite de mort, toho
11: Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray, that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your Church, spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters, who have fallen asleep in the hope of the Resurrection, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
10: Agnus <laughs> Dei Qui tolis peccata mundi Miserere nobis Agnus Dei Qui tolis peccata Misere nobis no hobbies agnyaste hi we mundi dona nobis pacem
11: I am the true vine, and you are the branches, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, bears fruit in plenty.
12: An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
10: O Jesus, we adore thee, who in thy love divine. Conceal thy mighty Godhead In forms of bread and wine O sacrament most holy O sacrament divine All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine O Jesus, we adore Thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray.
11: Made new by these sacred mysteries, we pray, O Lord, that imitating the wondrous constancy of blessed Callistus, we may merit an eternal reward for suffering endured. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.
10: Thanks be to God. Ave, ave, ave Maria, ave. The
6: Prayer to St. Michael
8: From every thought of suicide and abortion, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult,
5: we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
8: Thou who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant Hi, I'm Joan Smith. From St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Catholic Community You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network Radio for your soul